welcome to the Diocesan Digest, a news outlet for the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Director of Media and Technology. In these short episodes, we will share the latest news, ministry stories, clergy, spotlights, and much more about the Diocese of Oklahoma each week. If you or your congregation wants to share a ministry story or other important news item, or even a particular topic you want to see covered on the podcast, please contact me at smith at epiok.org. Hi, folks. Today is round two with Kate Carney Houston on the Racial Reconciliation Series. This week we chat about resources for youth, including books, movies, podcasts, and much more. We also talk about how to even approach this topic with our youth in our homes. We hope y'all enjoy. Here is Kate. All right. We are back with round two of our anti-racism and racial reconciliation resources podcast episodes. And I'm here again today with our lovely diocesan director of youth and young adults in the Iona program, Ms. Kate Houston, Kate Carney Houston. Kate, what have you got for us today? We're talking about youth, right? Youth resources. Yes, uh, we're here today to talk about youth and young adult resources across the Episcopal Church and also within um, just looking at books and movies, podcasts that we have as available resources. Like last week, you can find all of these resources on the resource page. It should be attached, if you're looking at the newsletter, it's attached in the block right underneath. And then if you go to our podcast page at the website, you can find it there too. Yeah, or the direct link is epiok.org slash show notes. And you will find them, which is great. And they're all linked. Last week, we linked all of the books to one of the Black-owned bookstores um, in Tulsa. And so if you go and click on one of those books in the show notes document, it will send you to that bookstore and you can actually purchase the book from that bookstore in Tulsa, which is great. Wonderful. Okay. Well, let's start by kicking around why we think it's important to even talk about youth, about these types of things. We've got to talk about, we've got to talk to youth about race and racism diversity, anti-racism training. One of the things that I found most, I think the thing that probably surprised me the most is maybe the best way to put it, when we did our pilgrimage training with our youth last year, so it would be in the year ago last March, was that our youth, I just anticipated our young people having language that I didn't have to talk about race and racism that our experiences wouldn't necessarily be so different, but their language would be different. I expected this kind of two generation gap to have enough difference in language, but what I found is they were actually using the same language that I hear from my parents uh, or from my generation about race. And so we would talk about race and the first things you'd hear are things, platitudes, statements, things 
I'm colorblind. I don't see race. I, I'm not racist because I have black friends. I was a little shocked by that because I didn't anticipate different language, but I was, I also really, when I thought about it and I, I kind of had to sit in it a little bit and think about it, I realized it's because they get their language from us. And so the language they're learning to talk about race is the language that we are teaching them. And if we don't teach our young people, whether they're our kids, which we'll talk about next week, or our youth and our young adults, different language, if we don't change how we talk about race and racism and diversity in our society and in our church and in our homes, then they're going to use that same language. And one of the things that you see over and over and over again when people talk about why it's important to talk to kids and young people about race is that we shy away from it. It's kind of one of those things that you say you don't talk about in polite conversation, but in reality, it's essential to talk about race. So a book that is a really great resource for parents that I think every parent should read is, it's, it's by a white woman, so it's kind of the white experience that her name is Jennifer Harvey, Dr. Jennifer Harvey, and it's called Raising White Kids. And she talks about how we talk about race and why it's important to talk about race with our kids. And that naming the reality of privilege and hierarchy, and if we talk about it honestly, if we acknowledge race and we acknowledge diversity, it not only gives us the language, but it also doesn't create a system in which we see everyone as, as the same when we're not. And in our Episcopal world, in our Episcopal language, in our liturgy, we acknowledge difference because the differences that we have and that we bring to the table are beautiful. And we often say that being the people of God recognizes our differences, that being created in the image of God means that God's creation is diverse and beautiful. And if we don't see race and we don't see color, if we say we're colorblind, then we actually are not acknowledging the beautiful diversity that God's creation is. And we are missing the point of God's creation. That's right. And that's the language that is really important to start with teaching our children that we actually do see color, we do see differences, we do see diversity, because in that diversity, we see the gifts that people bring to the table. And the different that, experiences of, yes. of being human, of being in flesh spirits in the material world, and how we all interact with God and interact with one another in our socioeconomic all all the things of our context create who we are. And that that table is the central piece of who we are. So coming to the table, coming to that Eucharistic table where we share in communion with one another and with God, we are experiencing then God's kingdom on earth. That's right. And, and we can't experience that if we say, well, I don't see that the person next to me is different. I actually have to acknowledge their difference to be truly understanding of what it means to worship in a community of faith. If everyone's the same, then I'm not really gonna learn from someone next to me. 
Whereas I have to learn from the differences and the different experiences and the different experiences of God that people are having that they bring to the table. So it, that's, that's kind of the theological reason. Um, the practical reason is we just need to give our kids and our youth language. We need to be able to address social issues. We need to be able to have our kids be able to talk about these topics because if we want to raise mature, socially aware citizens, just in general, then we need people who can have aware and knowledgeable conversations about race that aren't engaging in platitudes, that aren't engaging in just kind of reaching back to past historical narratives that are really inaccurate. And so we need to be able to really ground our youth in facts, but also ground them with language and with the ability to be able to talk about race. And that ability to talk about race can be really difficult. And that's one of the things that we worked on quite a bit at our pilgrimage retreat before we went on the pilgrimage, because we wanted the kids when we went on the retreat to be able to talk about race. We felt like if we couldn't break that barrier down early on, that when we got on the pilgrimage, they weren't going to be able to talk about it. And so we felt like we kind of needed to really go through that process ahead of time, get them comfortable with one another, get them comfortable talking about race, so that we were in the pilgrimage and we were doing some of the hard things and confronting some of the hard truths, both about history and our institutions, the Episcopal Church, and even, even within ourselves, within our, within our own experiences, that they were able to then vocalize that and use that language. And so talking with kids, I think, is the primary piece. And parents, we're going to have a couple of resources available um, for youth leaders or preach, you know, for, for our priests uh, and for our parents to be able to talk um, about race that are going to be included on the show notes as well. So there's going to be some links to those things. And I think, too, like this whole thing is, is practice, right? We're practicing. Yeah talking about race with our kids. We're practicing, you know, educational habits and reading habits to normalize something that God created as good. Race mm -hmm. is, I always say, race is a gift from God. Yeah. You know, just as the diversity of the plant, flora, and fauna, mm -hmm. here we are as human beings with incredibly diverse shades of melanin and cultural backgrounds uh, and it's a it's a beautiful way to understand god god's not just one thing god is all these things and getting to know and i of course i'm the theologian i like to think theologically all the time but getting to know you know a person of color i get to interact with god in a in such a different way than how i get to experience god in my flesh and it's just like it's a gift it's such a gift to learn someone learn from someone else's experience and learn the way God enfleshes their body and makes and enlivens their spirit. Um, just like it's, it's different listening to my black sisters and brothers preach as it is different from listening to me preach. We, we have totally different styles and it's cultural and it's part of just how God animates us. I mean, that's just one example of how like, and anyways, I'm getting off on a rabbit hole. <laughs> So Sarah's very let's, passionate. <laughs> let's, get back, let's get back to uh, resources. Um, I've heard of that book, The Raising White Kids. That sounds kids. awesome. What else? Jennifer what else? Harvey, I, I was able to hear her speak and it 
she knows her stuff. She really um, knows what she's talking about when it comes to these kinds of issues. And she's not talking, she is a white woman. She is not talking from a perspective of her own experience as a, a black person because she's not, but she's really talking about what it means to kind of talk to young people about these issues, which I think we all benefit from, whether we work with young people, um, whether we have young people in our lives that we just interact with, God kids, or we work with different organizations, or whether we, you know, or whether we have youth of our own in our own homes, I think it's important that we educate ourselves about how to talk to young people and kids about this. And so, and this book really does go for kids and youth. It's not a, it's not an either or. A lot of the things that she discusses are things that you can talk about in both contexts with younger kids and with older kids. You just have to make it appropriate for their own age and their own development with where they are. We're gonna talk, uh, I think next we'll talk about some books. These resources that we're gonna talk about are primarily for kids who are 13 and older. There are some, depending on your kids, your young person's development, their reading ability, their maturity level, the things that they've experienced in life. Obviously there's a lot of room. There are, some kids who are at this point could be reading from those adult resources that we published last week and would not have any trouble just in terms of their of where they are in their own kind of journey and then these books though we really I tried to make sure that they would be kind of 13 plus so just be aware that sometimes there's language sometimes there's things that if you have a more sensitive young person there are some of these books that have scenes in them that might make you uncomfortable. We didn't go through and like make caveats on every single book, but you can certainly look them up um, and do your own research for what you think is appropriate for your own young person. The first one that I'm gonna talk about is, we talked about last week a little bit, uh, which was the book Stamped. We talked about kind of the adult version last week um, by Ibram Kendi. And this book is, the so stamped racism, anti-racism, and you is effectively the remix of that of that main book that's more accessible for young people. So it's that book that he wrote with Jason Reynolds. Well, this one's with Jason Reynolds, and it's then it's intended really for a younger audience. So 13 plus, very same material. You could actually read the adult version, and your young person could read stamped, and you could read them kind of together and then have discussions about it, which is one of the reasons why I recommend it is it's a really good family resource if you want to do that work together, both you and your young person or young people in your lives to be able to do that. It also might actually work well as an intergenerational study in a church as well. So that's a good resource. The next one that I'm gonna talk about is actually a resource I got from my brother-in-law. So, Jeff Houston, uh, the Reverend Jeff Houston out of uh, Stillwater, the chaplain at Oklahoma State University. He would be very sad if I didn't say go Pokes, so, which is not really where I am, but there you go. He recommended to me, and I have not read these books, but he recommended to me the series, it's a trilogy series, and it's called March. And so it's book one, book two, and book three. And they basically follow, they're graphic novels, and they follow the life of Congressman John Lewis. So the first one focuses on John Lewis as a young 
man, as a child and then a young man growing up, um, as he kind of becomes interested in the civil rights movement, starts the beginnings of the civil rights movement. The second one focuses on his work in that movement. And then the third one is really about the march in Selma and John Lewis's experience of the march in Selma. Uh, the third one won a number of awards. If your young person loves graphic novels, if they love history, they people rave about these books, and Jeff raved about them as well. So I have not personally read them, but there's something that Jeff recommended highly, and I, you know, I think a lot of our young people from the pilgrimage also uh, purchased these books as well. Uh, they were for sale a lot of the different places we went, and I saw a number of them pick them up and look at them. So I think those that's a really good series. Um, so March 1, 2, and 3. Then a couple of books that I have read or I have found for young people. The first one is a book called Look Both Ways. It's a tale told in 10 blocks, which is about a community. And it's a, a series of short stories. And it's 10 kind of interconnected short stories about a community and basically said in the context of kids walking home from school and they have so it's a very straightforward structure but it's the kind of stories that you can follow along with how they how the characters change and how they develop within each one but they deal with issues within this community within this african-american neighborhood and some of them are just real, you know, issues that all of us deal with, bullying, peer pressure, kind of parents' cancer, but it's a real look into the life and the neighborhood and maybe some of the cultural differences that you would see between um, kind of an inner city structure, that's why 10 blocks, um, an inner city type neighborhood living more up and down versus opposed to like single kind of homes um, with big yards. So it's just, it's a really interesting look at how urban living and experience of life is just different. And I think that's a good learning opportunity for a lot of our young people who don't experience life in a more urban setting. So I think that's probably the biggest contribution and then a lot of the topics that the kids are talking about are things that a lot of our kids relate to, bullying and, and a parent experiencing cancer, things that a lot of our kids can relate to, and yet the context of those issues is very different. The next book is a book called Genesis Begins Again. And it's about a young girl, a young African-American girl in Detroit um, whose family who has some traditional family struggles. Her father has um, some problems, um, is relatively absent, uh, but she's really kind of trying to find herself and find her place in her family and find her voice. And I don't know many 13 year olds that I work with that aren't actively seeking to try to find their voice. Right, I remember the 60 years. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I feel like I'm still trying to find my voice. Uh, and that she's, that's really what Genesis is doing. And if you think about the name Genesis, right, the beginning, 
um, the the creation of, you know, the genesis of, the start of, and so she's she's kind of finding her voice and finding who she's going to be in this world and who, what the start of her life is going to look like. And so it's, it's a, I think, a really powerful book. And she, along this journey throughout the book, discovers a whole bunch of different kind of people. She struggles with various things, again, that young people struggle with, whether they're white, black, whether they're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. So a lot of these struggles, again, are universal, but it's it's in this kind of context of her being, in, in this particular book, actually a darker skinned than the rest of her family and how that, that sometimes plays out even within her own family dilemma and her family dynamic, which is really interesting. So that's, that's a book that we recommend, Genesis Begins Again. A, another book that is for a slightly different older group um, of kids is called Piecing Me Together. It's a book that it's 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 by a woman named Renee Watson. It's it's about a 16-year-old girl who is attending a mostly white school. So unlike the two last books where it's a more kind of inner city culture, this is a very different setting. She is a black student on scholarship at a kind of prep high school in Oregon that is puts her really as a minority in a, in a culture in which she's not only a racial minority but also a socioeconomic minority. And so how does she deal with that and how does she thrive in that environment? So it talks a lot about race and self-image and identity, but it also then addresses issues like privilege because you see the interaction that takes place in these community, in this community of this school between the young woman and the teachers and the young woman and her peers. It also actually addresses issues of gender bias. And if you have a more artistic young person, art plays a really big role in this book. So if you have a young person who loves art and is very attached to art or music, um, more artistic expressions of themselves, this is a really good book for that. You can even see that in the cover of the book. Uh, there are some scenes in the book that are difficult to read, um, particularly some of the scenes where she is actively trying to lighten the color of her skin to try to fit in more within the community. Um, so when we talk about self-image and trying to fit in, it, that are very specific, but it's, it's, they're powerful scenes. Uh, they're, they can be hard to read, but they're really powerful. And then the last one is a book that's been really popular the last couple of years. Uh, it's called The Hate You Give. It was just made into a movie. So it's actually also one of our movie recommendations as well. But it's uh, by a woman named Angie Thomas. And it won a whole bunch of awards. It won a, an award for being the best audiobook. It won the Coretta Scott King Award. It won uh, Michael Prince Honor Book Award. So it, it won a whole bunch of awards, but it's about effectively a police shooting of an unarmed young black man. And then 
inspired by the events that kind of lead to the Black Lives Movement and what happens. And so it deals with a lot of topics that are very relevant to what people are seeing on the news today and for the last couple of years, whether it's political activism, friendship, grief, wealth disparity, police brutality, addiction issues, uh, interracial dating, uh, which is something that we haven't really addressed and we haven't really seen a whole lot on. Um, the media's depiction of African-Americans writ large is in this book. So this is the kind of book that if you read it and then you talk about it, you really should have some language to be able to, to address these issues with your teen because it does get into things like police brutality and it's it's kind of a no holds barred, it's fiction, it's kind of no holds barred. Like you read it and you think, wow, this is, it's like watching the movie 13 that we talked about last week. You You read it and you kind of think, okay, this is, they're really going for it. And she's being really honest about these experiences and these things and these hard truths that we have to name in society. But it's, it won all these awards. And I think that it's probably one of the most powerful stories that we have. Um, but it probably is, again, for slightly older teens uh, rather than maybe people who are younger. So that was, those were the books. We didn't, I didn't go for a whole bunch, partially because young people, again, have this really wide range. And a lot of people can be, a lot of our young people might want to pick up Beloved or some of the books that we mentioned last week as well. So if you have a young person who loves to read, go download that list from last week for the adult resources and, and get some of those books as well, both the fiction and the nonfiction. Mm -hmm. The next area we were going to talk about uh, were podcasts. And I will be honest, I was really shocked when I started going to look for podcasts specifically for young people about race. There are a ton of podcasts about for kids and race. And there are a lot of podcasts for adults. But in this kind of like 13 to 18 bands, there's not a whole lot. Which is so weird because there's young kids leading these protests. Yeah. Like national, there are teens. Yeah. Yeah, they're teens. And I think, I think what happened is, I, I, was, I was kind of thinking about this, and I think a lot of people who are doing these discussions, uh, a lot of these podcast discussions, are led by people who were in, primarily, at least when they started, were in their early 20s. So they were young people, and they're still young people, but they're not teenagers. They're now in their early 20s to mid-20s, maybe to late 20s. And so they've, it's just, it's transitioned a little bit. But, and I think a lot of our teens are listening, if they're listening to podcasts, I think they're listening to the adult podcast, which is fine. It just, so there's not specific ones for teenagers, which I thought was interesting. And maybe some gap filling that's available for people who are interested in talking about race with kids that are 13, 14, 15 in particular. One of the things I thought was fascinating was Code Switch, which is a podcast we mentioned last week. It's from NPR. And they, it started really kind of in, started a few years ago to talk about issues, talk about contemporary issues, particularly starting with like the death of Philander Castile. Um, they also deal with a lot of um, diversity issues writ large. So they talk about the Orlando um, nightclub massacre, for example, where um, a, lot, a number of LGBTQ 
people were targeted, but specifically LGBTQ people of color were targeted. But what they identified a whole bunch of their episodes that actually relate more to young people. So you can go and look at, we're gonna link this for you, but there's a list of code switch episodes that are appropriate. Not that all of them aren't appropriate, they're from NPR, but that were specifically more targeted at young people to talk about issues that affected young people and impacted young people. That's cool. And so that's, that's one of the first ones. The second one I wanna talk about is something called Politically Reactive. And it's two comedians, um, two African-American comedians, and they talk about kind of hot button topic issues that are in the news. They address these issues in ways that I think are really accessible. And they, they have really broad discussions. So they talk about everything from dog whistle politics and private prisons. They talk about elections. They talk about racism, they talk about police brutality, but they're doing it in a way that is accessible, but also has some humor attached to it, which let's be honest, that's really difficult to talk about some of these issues with some humor attached to it. And they do it in a way that is both respectful to the issue, gives you really good information, but also gives you some context to talk about the political process, social justice issues, and do it in a way that doesn't make you feel like it's so heavy that you can't listen to the next episode. Um, you can you can kind of process it as you go, whereas sometimes it's it's difficult. You have to watch what you were talking about last week with movies that sometimes you have to watch it and then process it before you can kind of do the next thing because it's just so much and so heavy. Um, they, these episodes are a little bit more consumable, which I think is. Um, a good thing for young people. It doesn't, it's not going to kind of overwhelm your ability to, to function. And then our last one um, in terms of a podcast, it's not really a podcast, but you're going to see a number of things coming out from the Episcopal Church. One thing that I would like to point a number of our young people to is a conversation on allyship which took place with young and youth and adult leaders from across the Episcopal Church. And they, it was sponsored by the Episcopal Church, but also the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta, the Absalom Jones Center out of Atlanta, and some other organizations. They had a really good conversation. It's about an hour and a half long, so it's not going to be repeated necessarily, although you're going to see different things that kind of come out um, related to this conversation on allyship, but they had a really good conversation about what it means to be an ally, what it means to be in relationship, what it means to talk to other young people about these topics, and if you are a youth leader or a parent, I also recommend this as well as something for you to look at and watch. It's just a great conversation. Again, it's an hour and a half long, kind of one time, but there's so much there, especially on, in our on my content. list to watch because I yeah. I saw it come up and I put it on our and it's linked on our newsletter still. I'll yes. do it another week and um, it's de I'm definitely gonna watch it as well because I think yeah, it's, I know it's, it's really good. good. So that's that's kind of it for podcasts. Again, I think there's just not a whole lot out there, which I was shocked by. Um, that isn't kind of already out there for adults. 
And then we, we're gonna talk about movies a little bit. Uh, movies, very similar to podcasts. It's kind of what's appropriate for you and your context. What's appropriate for you to talk to your kids about? What do you want to talk to your young people about? And so when I looked at movies, I kind of went with a, what are the movies that I would want to watch with my youth group, if I still had a youth group, right, or at camp? Um, well, what, what movie would I want to watch with them to start a conversation? And kind of what conversations would we have? And so I went with the first one being The Hate You Give, based on that, based on the book. And with the young woman, Star Carter, the main character who witnesses the fatal police shooting of a friend and to talk about you know what what does it mean to really be different what does it mean to feel different to be different the quote from the movie that i think sticks out the most to me is white folks want diversity but not too much diversity Mm-mm-mm. and that's that's a truth that's a hard truth um so what do you what what does that mean how do you deal with that what does that what does that mean to you what does it mean to have too much diversity what is it about that diversity that makes us uncomfortable and then routing that back again to that diversity being created in god's image conversation um i think is so when i was really sitting here thinking about movies that I would watch with young people to try to encourage those conversations. That's the first one that really came to mind. The second one is more a historical film uh, about a historical event. It has Denzel Washington and it's called The Great Debaters. And it's about a debate team um, in 1930s. They, there is a pretty rough scene regarding a lynching that you just need to be aware of um, that comes in. But I think the thing that I really thought about when I was looking at this movie is how would you juxtapose this up against some of our conversations about race today? So if we put it in these 1930s contexts about race, do we feel like it's any different today? Is it easier to watch if we think of it as historical as opposed to something we have to walk out the door and kind of confront today. And yet, do we still see these behaviors and these similarities and some of the same arguments and problems that we experienced in the 1930s? And of course, the answer to that is yes. And then naming those and then finding some of the commonalities between maybe the hate you give and the, and the great debaters, I think is an important thing. And you can do that across all of these films. I've got another good film. What? You do? What? Yeah. I don't know if this is on your list, but I actually taught oh. this um, when I was a substitute teacher at one of our local high schools a couple of years ago, but Black Panther. Ah. It's one of the Marvel movies, and um, it's about... I've not seen Black Panther. I'm really bad about Marvel movies. Okay. This is worth watching. Like, like Bridget would enjoy it, you know? For those of you who obviously we're we're filming this socially distanced appropriately, <laughs> so we're over Zoom, and Sarah is making a face at me that I've never seen. Like. <laughs> but okay, Black Panther is huge. It's a huge movie. It's about like a black utopia of this kingdom where 
but it brings in yeah. like past African culture, but puts okay. it in the future. It's like a futuristic utopia where this African country secretly holds element called plutonium or something. It's some sort of metal that can do all these cool things. Yeah. And so they have like basically the most powerful country in the world, but no one knows. Oh. And all the women, it's, it's, it's incredible what it does with gender and race, but all the women are like the, the soldiers and the secret service. They're like these beautiful African warrior women. Oh my God. It'll, it'll blow your socks off. It's incredible. We'll and, have to, we'll have to watch that. And, we'll and have to, I have not, I have not seen it. I'm not much of a Marvel movie watcher. So yeah, well this one, it's just, a, it's just a great story and it brings in the U S and the U S issues with black folk too and it, it's it's just what it does is it's fantastic it's just and it's beautiful like the scenery and the clothes and the oh i will have to i will have to watch that i have not i've not done that but i was really excited <laughs> <laughs> very excited wakanda <laughs> that's, the, what they do. Uh, that's what they do in the film oh they do that in the film yeah. that's how you know you're from wakanda oh you make an x with your arms yeah Oh, okay. Look, I now I need to watch it so I understand why why that. Well, now, if you ever see your black friends like do this, that's what it means. Oh, huh. who knew? I wouldn't have known that was from a film. Pop culture, right? Mm -hmm. Pop culture with Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I one more movie that I would recommend. Um, again, I think all those movies that we recommended last week are great movies to watch with your young people. Thirteen. Just Mercy, Selma, The Color Purple, all of those. One that I didn't mention last week that I think is actually probably for older, again, older youth, 15, 16, 17, 18, is one called Mudbound. This is a hard movie to watch. Um, I think it's an important movie to watch. So it's basically about two families during World War II who live in Mississippi and looks at their parallel lives. and through the Jim Crow South. And it is a tough discussion, but it is a discussion that I think needs to take place. And so, but there, there is some scenes of disturbing violence in it. I think that's just something you kind of need to know going in. Uh, but you really have to confront those issues and confront what it looked like to live in the South. And I think our, one of the reasons I recommend this movie is because I think our vision of what happens during World War II is very much driven by World War II, right? It's scenes of America pulling together in the home front and sending soldiers abroad, whether it's the Pacific or the European theaters. And we, and even our, even our conversation around race during World War II, things like the Tuskegee Airmen or um, still having a segregated armed services, particularly in the army, but we don't really get into the nitty-gritty about race as deep into the 1940s, as you see later in the 50s and 60s when you have the civil rights movement, and then earlier than that as well, and I think this really shows what's going on, that it didn't just kind of go away because World War II was going on, that there was still this intense level of racism and violence against African Americans, um, particularly in the South, but all over the country as well. 
so I think that that's a, a, an important story to be told that we haven't really spent as much time. It's an era we haven't spent as, as much time on at telling those specific stories. So that's it. I, I really recommend to parents that you do this work with your teenagers. You watch the movies together. You read a book together. You have a conversation at the dinner table. You look at the resources that we're gonna include about how to talk to your kids about race and about racism and about how to be an advocate in their communities. Even if you're not comfortable kind of couching it in theological terms, I think having that kind of basic conversation. And so the, the top, there are kind of five things that I think are really important when you talk about race with your young person. And I think the first one is that all, com all comments are safe. If you're gonna actually dig into the hard issues, you have to be willing to allow for people to say things that are uncomfortable and to make it okay to say those things. You have to set a respectful tone and even at your own home table about them, but you have to make it safe to be able to talk about those issues and for people to name their the things that they're uncomfortable about and their biases, the things that they don't understand. And so that you have to make that safe space and you have they have to know that they're not gonna get in trouble for naming those things. If they think they're gonna get in trouble for saying something that's gonna make you upset, or that you're gonna look down on your own kid for, then they're not gonna name it. And you're not gonna be able to have an honest conversation and teach your kid about that. And that actually means that you need to be able to say some of those things too. What, what makes you uncomfortable? Are there things that you've said in the past to people or thoughts that you've had? And so making sure that your kid understands that being that safe place means that you as a family are working together to try to be better about racial issues as a family. I think you really have to look at how does your house look? Who comes in your home? Who lives in your community? And you as a family can really evaluate that. How many people do you come in contact with on a daily basis that have a different skin color than you? How many people do you have that come in your home that look different than you? How many people in your church community? How many people in your neighborhood? And have an honest conversation about that because while no one's asking you to go out and change your friends or change you know, your, social, your social life, acknowledging what is true about your neighborhood says a lot. I grew up in Moore. Moore, Oklahoma was a traditional white flight community where people left Oklahoma City um, during the, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, um, because of race. And so we have to be able to name that. I grew up in a neighborhood that was overwhelmingly white. You have to name that. And then talk about the consequences of that. That because we don't interact with people, maybe we have assumptions or fears that we don't understand, but then we need to address them and talk about them. Maybe we need to go outside of our comfort zone and learn more intentionally because we don't experience it on an everyday basis. We don't have diversity, right? Right. So I think another thing that's really important is for families is to talk about the past, talk about 
your own experience growing up, talk about your family's past. Kids, I think, really respond well to knowing what has happened in the past in your own family, looking at that, evaluating it, understanding it. And then looking at this question of privilege as well. How does privilege come from that? How did you as a family come to be where you are? And how does privilege play into that? And understanding the word privilege and understanding the concept of privilege is really important because when you talk about structural racism or white privilege, a lot of times people have kind of visceral reactions to those words. You know, well, I didn't do anything to the system. We talked last week about being responsible for versus responsible to, but it's important to understand those two different things, that structural racism is where we oppress and marginalize people of color through our institutions, our society institutions, education, law, incarceration, employment. But then understanding white privilege is that we have been privileged over time throughout history by virtue of being white and that we have unearned privilege, that we've, we've had this privilege that we've kind of not earned, but that we don't have to worry about certain things that there's the structural racism, but then there's also privilege. And how does our privilege play into that? And I think looking at your own family history helps with that. Um, one of the exercises I did for myself when I was doing the beginnings of my anti-racism work was really looking at my own family history and my own family's privilege. And that's hard, it's hard conversations, but they're important conversations and necessary. There's a, a MTV documentary film called white people, which I think is helpful for understanding that too. And it kind of defines privilege and also structural racism, which is helpful. And then I think the last thing to do as a parent is that when you consume resources, whether it's the news media or it's social topics, it's books, it's movies, it's whatever, is to name where you see racism and where you see injustice and to talk about those things. Don't just let the moment fly by and not talk about it. But instead to kind of pause the TV, we can all pause the TV now and, and say, hey, let's talk about that for a minute and to not be afraid to engage in those conversations. I think a lot of times we're afraid. We don't wanna say the wrong thing to our kids. We don't want to influence them with things that may, might be wrong or maybe opinions that we know are uncomfortable and instead, it's actually engaging in those conversations with our young people that are actually going to help them better understand racism and how to be, how to grow up and be advocates for social change and social justice in the world. Yes. These are amazing, Kate. This was very thorough. This was very fantastic. Really appreciate all the work you put into curating these resources and Next week, we'll come back and talk about children's resources. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. 
and follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week and peace be with you.